lead into the Advent season, we felt like this would just be a great way to close out the year. And then we're going to get into some really cool things uh, into the beginning of the year. But uh, lots of good stuff in December. So I want to encourage you to hang with us. Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 through to 21. This will be the last time we read this piece of scripture uh, for what has seemed like an eternity. Um, But uh, how many of you know that, uh, I don't know if you've been in the place that I've been, but this series has impacted me. It's helped me um, in in deep, deep ways. So Galatians chapter two, verses 19 through to 21 says this, for through the law, I died to the law. This is Paul the apostle writing, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me And he gave himself for me. And then he says this, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Today, as we continue on in our series, Keep It Dead, as we close our series, Keep It Dead, I want to speak to you from the subject, The Soil Matters. The Soil Matters, as we look at where death and life start, and that is in the heart. Will you pray with me just one more time today? Jesus, we need you. We need your grace. We need your mercy, we need your love. And we find that in and through your word and so I pray right now that as we open your word, as we gaze upon the goodness of your word, that it would impact us in ways that we've never been impacted before. Right now I pray that your word would shine light into the dark areas of our hearts, it would, clo- it would open up the closed off areas of our minds that right now your word would come alive to us. And as it does, I pray that it would do what you said it would do, and that is set us free. And so we thank you in advance for the freedom that we have by way of your name, the name which is above every other name. And so it is with openness, it is with space that we come to your word right now, and we ask that you would speak to us. Our ears are open. Our hearts are ready to receive from you. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. I told a story um, towards, uh, towards the end of summer last year um, about my tree in my backyard that had been cut down randomly um, by an intruder, uh, a tree intruder. Uh, we had found out that a guy who had owned an Airbnb down the road had a gardening crew coming to his house to work on his backyard, but they showed up into our backyard because the numbers were given wrong. And so instead of chopping down the trees and the bushes in his yard, he chopped down the tree in our yard. And uh, many of you were appalled, and I thank you for your prayers and your consolation. And uh, some amazing people from, from this body, this community right here, bought us a tree. I know, I was pumped about it. It's the weirdest thing to show up at your house one day, open the front door, and to have a tree sitting on your porch. Um, it was random, but it was pretty cool. And so uh, we worked with the, with the gentleman. He was awesome about it. And so he's like, I'm gonna personally put the tree in your backyard. And we were like, okay. And so I kid you not, as I drank coffee and watched him through the window, he was doing all the manual labor to stick the tree in the ground. He was out there all day putting this brand new tree in the spot of the old tree that had been cut down. I was struck by this happening though. I watched him for several, several minutes trying to figure out what he was doing and asking questions like, is he gonna actually be able to get this tree 
to do what he wants it to do. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find out in the spring, right? It's like one of those surprise. <laughs> but I watched him and I watched him and I watched him and the trees sat off in the corner for most of the day. And what struck me in all of this time that he was working with our tree is that he didn't have hands on the tree. He was working with the soil. He spent most of the day making sure that the soil would accept the tree. Because it didn't matter if he just stuck the tree in the hole. Because if the soil wasn't ready for the tree, it doesn't matter what the tree wants to do. It will not be the tree that it's supposed to be. Why? Because the soil matters. The soil matters. And this is the truth that we need to grapple with today. As it is naturally for trees, so it is spiritually for you and I. The soil matters. You see, the life or death of that tree in my backyard, while potentially impacted by various aspects of weather patterns, children, chickens, dogs, (laughs) and things outside of its control, the main contributing factor to the life or death of that tree is in fact the soil. For the past seven weeks, we've explored the deep and rich truths offered to us here in the letter to the Galatians. We have wrestled with the issue of sin, apathy, community strength, isolation, how our lives impact the world around us. We've dealt with snakes and birds. We were reminded to control, alt, delete thinking patterns not aligned with God's word. And we have discovered that if we are not careful, our faith journey can exist in a zombie-like manner. What a series. But today, as we land the plane on this series, I wanna deal with the central piece, where it all comes down to. The common denominator in all of these Ideas and truths is your heart and my heart. The place where death and life begin, as we sang today, is the heart. The mitigating factor in this life of faith, in this journey of life that we are on, is our hearts. The soil matters. Come on, everybody shout soil today. See, for Paul, who wrote this letter, this is a personal issue for him as he would share with the Galatians his own journey of heart change and ultimately life transformation. I don't know if you're like me, but there's many moments where we can read the Bible and, and we can look at some of these people in there, we can think that they were just perfect people. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Right, like these guys floated everywhere that they went. We look at the apostles and we look at these, these leaders and, and we go, oh yeah, they just had everything together. Here's what I love about Paul the apostle is that in almost every single letter that he would write in the New Testament, he would throw himself under the proverbial bus. He would tell us how broken of a man that he was. In the midst of of transformation, in the midst of his relationship with Jesus, he would tell us how broken he was, but even more so, he would try to communicate the brokenness that he lived in before Jesus, as Pastor Erica put it last week, BC. Come on, how many of you have some BC moments you can think about? (laughs) And so Paul would give us this, this window into who he was in Galatians, long piece of scripture. But Galatians chapter one, verses 11 through to verse 24, he would say this, for I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. 
For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus. For you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church, and I tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond my many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, come on, how many of you love it when the word says, but when God? How many of you know that we need those moments? But when God showed up on the scene, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace. Come on, anybody thankful for a God who knew you when you were still in your mother's womb? Who knew you before anything had happened? Who, who knew you before the rejection? Who knew you before the brokenness? Who knew you before the decision? Come on, anybody thankful for a God who knew you before it all happened? He set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace and was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. And then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas and I stayed with him 15 days. He's just telling his story, his journey. But I didn't see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And I declare in the sight of God, I am not lying in what I write to you. Afterward, I went to the regions of Syria and Sicilia. I remained personally unknown. I want you to hear that. I remained personally unknown. In other words, he was developing in the shadow of God's wings. He was, he was in a hidden place. Can I just encourage somebody today who feels in a hidden place, who feels in an isolated place? Sometimes the place where you feel the most alone is the very place that God will meet you in. It's in the backside of the desert in complete and total anonymity where God actually shows up and shows off in our lives. He's like, I wasn't known. I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ, but they simply kept hearing he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And then watch what happened. The Bible says that they glorified Paul. They thought he was awesome. No, no, no. And they glorified God because of me. What Paul is showing us is that your brokenness in the hands of Jesus will glorify him, not us. That your brokenness can be beautiful when suspended by the grace of God. See, this is a small snippet of the transformation of Paul the Apostle. And as a side note, I just want to say, all of this to, uh, say this to all of us today. If the God of heaven has enough grace and enough power to bring a murderous zealot like Paul to a place of transformation, can I just say that there is no amount of sin, there is no amount of brokenness, there is no amount of shame, there is no amount of hardness that he cannot overcome in and through your mind life. The soil matters. And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. How is the soil? You see, it's not just a horticulturalist that tells us that the soil matters. Jesus would teach the very same thing. Matthew chapter 13, one through nine. Here it is. This is Jesus telling us that the soil matters. And on that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea and such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down while the whole crowd stood on the shore. Then he told many things in parables saying, consider the sower who went out to sow. 
And as he sowed, some seed fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground, and it produced fruit, some 100, some 60, and some 30 times what was sown. And then he says this, let anyone who has ears to hear listen. You see, it's easy to focus on the seed. It's easy to focus on the tree. But in doing so, we'd be focusing on only one part of the equation, You see, contained in the seed is all the potential, all the destiny, all the power. The seed contains the raw materials of design and purpose. Come on, are you with me today? Online today, you with me today? That in the seed is everything that is is necessary, everything that is needed, it's in the seed. But what we have to understand is that if the soil is not ready for the seed, the seed cannot be what the seed is supposed to be. I want us to hear this today. Without the right soil, the seed is useless. This is what Paul said. Let's just go back to our main scripture one more time. Watch what he said. For if righteousness comes through the law, Christ died for nothing. So when we perform and we try to obtain things by way of religiosity, we are saying that the seed doesn't have the place that it should have, that the cross doesn't have the place that it should have. Oh, but when I live by his grace, when I understand that by his grace I am set free, the soil then can receive the seed of destiny that he has for me. The seed is one thing, but the soil matters. And so what I want to do today is we're going to take a look at the backside of the parable. Jesus would give the parable, and because the disciples couldn't get it, come on, (laughs) they're slow on the uptake, he's going to clarify the parable, and he's going to give us the practical application. How many of you love practical application now, right? Okay, so what does this mean for me? Because you're like, oh, seed on soil and rocky places and soil and trees, and what are we talking about? Plants, Jesus, what kind of church did I step into? You didn't come to the greenhouse, you came to the well. So let's talk. <laughs> Did it. I've been with my kids all week. Dad jokes raining. Come on. So this is where I want to spend the remainder of our time together today. I want to take a look at four hearts that Jesus addresses as he reminds us that the soil matters. Here's the first, first heart if you're, if you're writing things down that the parable speaks about. It's the unprotected heart. It's the unprotected heart. Matthew chapter 13, verse 19 says this. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom, this is Jesus now giving us the meaning of the parable. This is what he was saying in the parable. He said, when anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. Before we moved to Utah, Eric and I lived in Phoenix, Many of the, the team that came to plant the well almost eight years ago now came from the Phoenix area. And when we first moved into Phoenix, one of the things that we did is we bought our first home as a married couple. That was like a big deal. And it wasn't even a home, it was a condo, and it was, uh, it was super cool, and we were really excited about it. And we got to go in there, and we got to design it and do some of the things to it. And so we were, we were hyped on our new condo. And it was just her and I at that time, and I remember 
one day getting done at, at the office at church and <clears throat> I was heading home. And as I parked and walked up to the front door of my house, I noticed that something was off. Our front door was open. But not just open, opened in a way that only violence could open it. It'd be kicked in. And it was off and out and broken and the door was shattered and the little thing that the doorknob goes into, I can't remember the frame of the door, that was all messed up. And, and it was in that moment that I stopped for a second and I, and I asked myself, should I go into my house at this point? Now you would think that smarts kicked in and the answer was no. No, that's not what happened. Mail kicked in. And I decided to go into the house. Now, at this time, I was not armed, okay? I had nothing in my hand. And the way that was, this was a three-story condo, so the first, you had to go up to the first flight of stairs, and then you would enter into the, like, the, the, the living room and the kitchen area. And so what I did is I stood at the bottom of the stairs, and I closed my eyes, I prayed to Jesus, and then I ran up the stairs as fast as I possibly could with my shoulder down, and I screamed the entire time. Ah! I got to the top part of the stairs. I stood and I looked around, and then I ran into the kitchen and I grabbed two knives because there was another flight of stairs I had to go up. So now you get to picture me with two knives, a butcher knife and a paring knife. I was making for a great salad, but I was going to lose my life had there been somebody in that home. And so now I'm, I'm having to make my way up the third flight of the stairs to make sure that nobody, because the lights were on and everything, like everything in me, my, my adrenaline's pumping, my heart's pounding. And so then I run up the second flight of stairs with my head down, screaming and flailing the knives <laughs> ah! up to the top of the stairs. It's awesome. I looked around. No one was in the house. I walk all the way back down, walk out the front. My neighbor's out there. He's like, are you okay? He's like, yeah. He's like, was that you screaming? I was like, no, uh-uh, not at all. I was not, I don't know who that was. It was a crazy person in the back. I tell you that story because I want us to hear the truth about the unprotected heart. See, the unprotected heart is a heart that is received from God, but because proper protection was not put in place, what was given by God was stolen by the enemy. Proverbs 4 would tell us to guard our heart with all diligence, for from it flow the issues of life. We're actually gonna discuss this scripture in depth as we get into the new year. See, there's a big difference between paying attention to our heart and guarding our hearts. Let me say that one more time. There is a massive difference between paying attention to our heart and guarding our heart. And the problem that I've come across in my life and I, and I think is represented in many of our lives is that we have a tendency to pay attention to our heart, but we don't have a tendency to protect our hearts. 
See, to guard means that we are actively patrolling our hearts to make sure that there has not been a breach in its security, that there are not things that are taking place within it that I haven't given permission to and that God has not authored. Are we just paying attention to our hearts or are we guarding our hearts? We become compromised when our heart goes unprotected. What are we doing to protect our hearts? Who are you allowing close enough to impact your heart? Oh, come on, somebody. What areas of our hearts have we left unprotected so that the enemy can come now and steal what God has begun or is currently doing? See, right now, for some of us, our heart is open. In this moment, right now, I don't know what brought you in here. Somebody tricked you, said they were going somewhere else. They said they'd take you out to lunch afterwards. And then all of a sudden, you're in this moment, you're in this place, and your heart is open. And God is distributing, and he's depositing things in your heart right now. And the possibility is that you can leave this place in just a few moments, and when you walk out of that door, all of a sudden, because my heart is not protected, the enemy steals what God deposited. Why? Because the soil matters. See, in church life, we have this thing called accountability. Show of hands, how many of you have heard of accountability before? I'm about to destroy a lot of your thoughts about accountability. <laughs> I think we've got it wrong on the power of accountability. I think it's a fallacy. Because I'm accountable. Many of us are accountable. I, I have accountability, right? I've got a guy right now who's helping Erica and I in our, in our health journey. He's coaching us. We're accountable. But how many of you would agree with me that accountability doesn't mean squat if I'm not truthful? So the truth is this, is accountability actually has no power if there's not vulnerability. So a lot of us are running around talking about accountability. A lot of guys, I got a lot of guys in my life, I'm accountable, Dave's accountable. But that's not the question. The question should rather be, is Dave vulnerable? Because where there's vulnerability, then there's freedom. I got people in my life who call me accountable, but guess what? You are only as accountable as you want to be. Jason, did you eat eight biscuits at Thanksgiving the other day? Nope, not at all. Nope, uh-uh, didn't happen, right? That is my coach holding me accountable, but that is me not being vulnerable. The true freedom comes when there's vulnerability. A protected heart is a vulnerable heart. A protected heart is a heart where it says, Dave, I'm actually struggling. He didn't ask me a question, I'm just being vulnerable. Pastor Dave, help me out, man, because I need some protection. Come on, it's not just accountability that matters, I protect my heart with vulnerability. And some of us don't do vulnerable. Come on, can we talk to anybody today? <laughs> Guys, we don't do vulnerable very often. How's everything? <clears throat> Good. <sighs> right? There's a few of us guys in here, right? How's it going? Oh, let me tell you about my week. <laughs> There's a few. There's a few, right? <laughs> Most of us dudes, we, we posture. Everything's good. I built something. I won something. Made something happen. You see my yard. You just see the shelf. You should see, you should see. I played golf. I fished. 
I skied. I did, man. I built fire. I asked the guy earlier, hey, how, I, I fried a turkey. How's your heart? I just wonder if we can be the type of people that aren't just accountable, but, but we're vulnerable. I actually think that vulnerability is the key to a protected heart. Where there is not vulnerability, there is not protection. Because you can still be held accountable by way of a question, but living in destructive patterns because you're not vulnerable. The second heart that Jesus speaks about is the shallow heart. Am I talking to anybody in church today? <laughs> the shallow heart, Matthew 13, 20 through 21. And the one sown on rocky ground, ever shout rocky ground? Is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. I love that part. Right, some of us are right there today, you're like, oh this is fun, I like church. Talks about fried turkeys and he moves around a lot and he shouts. He keeps me from falling asleep. It's awesome. Right? And we receive it with joy. I know that it is well. Like we sing that song, I receive it with joy. Right? We receive it and we're, we're, and we're pumped about it and we're excited about it and we'll leave and we'll sit over coffee with somebody and be like, that was so fun. Until he started meddling with that vulnerability thing. Didn't like that part. But then he cracked a joke and it was okay. Ooh, we eased into it. <laughs> this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Watch this. If this isn't one of the most challenging pieces of scripture that we can read, but it has no root and it's short-lived. When distress or persecution comes, let's, let's, this is the Jason translation, when 2020 happens, Because of the word, immediately he falls away. The shallow heart is the heart that has not allowed the word of God to do the deep and surgical work necessary for strength, vitality, health, and character. See, this heart is tested by distress, persecution, hard situations, and circumstances. Here's the truth that we need to assimilate today. Life is hard and requires us to do hard things. I know, Caleb moment. Positive and encouraging. What you learn in church today? Life is hard, do hard things. I am men. <laughs> I have found that one of the greatest reasons that we do not go the long haul in faith is simply because life is hard and we have to do hard things. It's not theological reasons, it's not doctrinal reasons, right? It's not any one of those things. It's not because God didn't show up. I've actually found that one of the reasons that we don't go long haul in our faith or even develop a faith acumen is because hard things are hard. Can I be transparent and vulnerable with you? We were supposed to really pay attention to our eating this week. Our coach was on us, he was holding me accountable. Talking about it a lot, I just guilt, baby, just guilt. 
So Erica did something before we left on our little trip together. She went to Trader Joe's and she bought these peppermint Oreos. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Just so you know, Trader Joe's slipped crack into each and every single one of those <laughs> cookies. So, we did really good through the week. We worked out five days this week so that we could make sure that we could eat at least on Turkey Day. But guys, on Turkey Day, it all, like, off the rails. <laughs> okay, so I went to the cupboard and I got some of those peppermint Jojos and some milk, right? And I was like, just two. <laughs> I ate those two, then I got up, and I was like, well, at least I'm working out to go get two more. <laughs> I'm getting my steps in, right? <laughs> Guys, I ate an entire sleeve of these JoJo cookies. I was popping them like crazy. She looks at me, she's like, have one. I was like, no, my precious, right? Like, <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. one of the greatest reasons that we don't meet our health goals, our problem, is because it's hard sometimes. Like, can we just boil down to simple, like simple, it's just hard. How many of you agree? It's hard sometimes. Life is hard sometimes. Relationships are hard sometimes. Faith is hard sometimes. Our jobs are hard sometimes. Being diligent and disciplined is hard sometimes. It's hard. Come on, just turn to your neighbor and say, it's hard. It's hard out here. Isn't that what this season's shown us? If there's ever been a season that would show us the depth of our heart and faith, it'd be this one. My heart is broken as I've watched countless amounts of people give up and give in on their faith. Why? Because of the season. Because of COVID. I just need to help us out for a second, and I don't want to step on any toes, and I'm not minimizing anything when I say this next statement. But if our faith wanes to the greatest degree that I want to give up on it because of COVID and a mask, we have bigger issues. I'm just saying, disciples were losing their heads and being placed on crosses. I just need to talk to the church for a second because I think that there's this moment that we're living in where we're getting angry about all kinds of hard things that we have to do when at the end of the day, we should be the type of people that have the type of strength that no matter what comes my way, I'm still gonna pursue Jesus. It doesn't matter what the situation is. I'm gonna still pursue Jesus. I'm not giving up on my faith because of what's happening around me. But the seed had no root because the soil matters. It was shallow and it was disconnected. See, for a seed to take root, it must penetrate the soil. It must go down. It must go deep. And this is the work of God in our lives. And it's a work that is painful and, and yet precise. It is at times uncomfortable, but it's, but it's freeing. It's a work that is intrusive, yet it's gentle. And you see, depth is not about the study of our minds. Depth is about the security of the seed. See, some of us are trying to educate ourselves to depth. I've come to realize that my educational ascent does nothing for me against the winds of life if there's no transformational root. We have too many Christians running around with head knowledge, but the seed is not rooted. 
I know my doctrine. I know my theology. Wind. Nope, not anymore. Come on, can I be your pastor today? <laughs> the root, it's got to take root. It's got to go deep. That, that guy, he worked on that hole for hours. And then, tree. And it's standing still. Why? Because the tree's the tree. Oh, but the soil matters. The enemy of our souls does not care how much scripture we can quote if the seed has not been able to take root in our lives. Number three, oh, I gotta move. Sorry, I'm having fun. <laughs> Hopefully you're having fun. How many of you give me just another hour? Just, just play, I'm just playing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> i just kidding, kids ministry lost their minds. The parents in the house were like, yes, please, preach, go. Exegete the scripture right now, go. Tell us the Greek and the Hebrew. <laughs> Here's the third heart, the longing heart. I didn't realize this is a challenging message for me. The longing heart, Matthew 13, 22. Now, the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. This is the heart that becomes distracted as it longs for the world more than it longs for the power and presence of God. Now, some of us have been in church before, and we've heard the pastor get up and preach, and it sounds really good in like quotables and, and Twitter throws. The world has nothing to offer. And if you're a realist like me, I think in my mind, actually there's some pretty fun stuff. <laughs> Come on, can we talk real in church today? Right, because you're sitting there and you're like, no, actually, they're, they're, that's, that, was, that was fun. It was destructive, but it was fun. <laughs> Come on, like, can we just be honest? Right, it has nothing. It's all just, just broken and nothing. You're like, yeah, but that one year was wild and out. <laughs> See, this is the thing that I think makes many of us, especially those of us who... Uh, are, are trying to figure out this thing of faith, like reject so much is because we don't talk real about things. Yeah. Partying's fun. Some of us don't want to say amen. <laughs> like John, shush now. <laughs> See, but that's also the problem that the world has many things that can end up creating a longing in our heart. And here's what I've realized about longing is that longing can quickly become a leaving. Here's the question I wanna ask us. What in the world has the ability to purchase and persuade your heart? Galatians 3, one through four, Paul would intro his statement to these people that he loved with this, you foolish Galatians, who cast a spell on you. See, Paul was astonished that the Galatians could so easily be persuaded to return to an old and broken system. But isn't that what we do? We long for things, and when the longing has 
longed long enough, it evolves into leaving. Even when what we are leaving is far more superior than what we are going for. Are you getting this today? And I believe that one of the most dangerous positions that we can find ourselves in is a place of longing. I want, I want to read this to you. I wrote this down, and it challenged my heart when I wrote it down. Longing will romanticize anything and everything that comes across its path. Longing will anesthetize our discernment and diminish our eyes of faith as it creates a rose-colored tint to that which actually produces destruction in our lives. That's a longing. We can, singles, we can long for him or her. He walks across, and he's bad news bears. But the longing paints rose, and he walks by. And he's really like this when he walks by. <laughs> but because of the rose-colored tint, he's just like, you're like, oh, a longing. <laughs> right? Guys, she walks by, she is shady. But all you see is hair blowing in the wind. Roses, cherry blossoms. Come on. It pays everything rose. It is imperative that we identify what these things are in order to guard our hearts from them. See, the debris littered across the shores of shipwrecked faith, in my estimation, is due large in part to the longing heart. Longing heart. See, we long for affirmation, so we engage in illicit relationships. We long for esteem, so we build a persona and project an image far from the truth of who we are. We long for meaning so we construct and manipulate to get what we want. We long for love so we give ourselves over to anything and everything and anyone that promises it. We long for prominence so we work and we strive beyond our capacity and character and we long for eternal security so we strive in religiosity instead of meeting the savior of grace. Jesus, we long. The longing in our hearts should drive us back to the designer of our lives because he alone is the only one that can fix the longing. And here's the fourth and last heart and why the soil matters, Jesus would show us the soft heart. Matthew 13, 23. Watch what he says. But the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yields some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. The soft heart. There have been 
countless amounts of times in my life and my journey of faith, even just recently, if I'm open and vulnerable with you, that my heart is hard. Can we talk real in church today? I think so many times we, we can put people on pedestals who stand on platforms. Can I just say this? Don't put us on pedestals. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help us at all. Online, you're now watching through your TV and a device. So even more, we can put people on pedestals. And I just wanna help us out today because I just, in a moment of vulnerability, wanna say that I, I have a hard heart at times. See, I think what we think is that like in one moment, all of a sudden my heart softens and then okay, then it's soft forever, but it's not. How many of you know you bump into that person that you're still struggling with forgiveness with? It's like, hards up, it's all crackly, right? You once again met with that, that thought or that fear or that situation and, 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 it, and it hardens. I battle with a hardened heart. Cynicism, jadedness. I read a lot and I study a lot, so it's really easy, come on educators, to get cynical about things. But Jesus says, the difference between death and life is the softness of the soil. And for some of us in here today, we've come in here with a very hard heart. Some of us in here today, because of religion and because of historicity and because of family and because of upbringing, some of us had a soft heart, then we had Thanksgiving. And we were around family. You came in here today. Come on. Trying to get away from Thursday. Hard heart. I wonder today if we could leave this place with a soft heart. Here's what I've learned as I watched that gentleman plant a tree in my backyard. Is the hardest work he had to do was to till the soil so that the soil would be soft enough for the tree. And can I just tell you this today? The production of a soft heart hurts. Why? Because it's got to get in there. He's got a tail. He's got to get some weeds out. And he's got to get that, get that dirt churning. For some of us, it, it's not a job that can be done by hand. You need that machine to get in there. It's so hard. But it's when the soil is soft and it receives the very word of God planted. Buried over, pushed down. But it takes root. And where it takes root, life grows. Peace grows. Joy 
grows. Hope grows. Wholeness grows. And I don't know about you, but that is the type of tree I want in my yard. And that is the type of heart that God desires for you and for me. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this moment.